I am lazy as beep. People always think that, you know, entrepreneurs are super uh, speeded and on top. But, you know, I, I'm a lazy person. I really need to uh, see the benefits of going out of bed. Otherwise, I can just stay in and take it. But fortunately... Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Victor Carlson, CEO and co-founder of Televox, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Victor. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, great being here with you. It's a pleasure to have you here. And let's jump into it. The first question always, what does your company, Televox, do? So we help companies to have more rewarding conversations uh, with their customers and employees uh, by converting the best of the telco world and the tech world into one service that is really awesome and makes it easy to use, easy to administrate and to integrate with the other SaaS services that they use. And who would you say, if we specify it one layer deeper, who would you say are your most happy or like ideal customers? Our ideal customers are like ambitious, um, small, medium-sized businesses that has offices a little bit around the world uh, or around their um, uh, Sweden or the Nordics. Um, yeah, and just think that communication and collaboration is a key to their success. So you have a very big total market. <laughs> yes. Everybody needs this. So uh, thank you, Victor. Now the listeners know a bit more about Televox. And then I'm curious, uh, why Televox? How did you end up with that idea in business? That's uh, a very big surprise. You know, I was uh, 19 years old, uh, still, in, still in high school. And uh, a friend of mine started working at a telco. We helped them out a little bit. And I fell in love with the business model, actually. So, so maybe not the telco part itself, but the recurring revenue. You get one customer and then another one. If you're doing a good job, you like you build it up over time. And um, uh, so, you know, that's where the idea came. And then after uh, high school, a friend of mine did the military service. And they actually got tasked with building like a, a phone system for the military. And when he got out of it, you know, he, he had some inspiration. And we, after a few beers, actually, we came out with the foundation of Televox. And six months later, we launched the service. Huh, I, I, I didn't know about that. that thing. Yeah. So the idea from the start was to uh, actually have this like just as a side business to our uh, you're going to uni, uh, and then we realized, you know, once we launched the service, and when you're dealing with, you know, critical business communication, when stuff are down, I remember, you know, uh, system was down. I was waiting outside of the uh, um, the university. You know, the tech guy he was in making a, an exam, and I was there with the hot car. 
And as soon as he got out, you know, we had to go to the office and fix the problem. So after that, we dropped out. I, I, I love those angles where you can say the dropout who made this. P- people love to click on that. <laughs> so, Victor, before we jump into leadership, KPIs, sales, etc., that is the keys in my, the cornerstones in my podcast, I don't want it to be so stiff. So I have my new question here. A fun fact. So please. What is a fun fact about yourself that most people don't know about? Oh, a fun fact about myself. I am lazy as peep. People always think that, you know, entrepreneurs are super, uh, you know, speeded and on top. But, you know, I, I'm a lazy person. I really need to, uh, to see the benefits of going out of bed. Otherwise I can just stay in and take it. But fortunately there's a lot of things triggering me. So, you know, I still get up of bed and, and, and manage to do things, but I'm, I'm lazy. Super entrepreneur, lazy ass beep. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah, that is, thank you for sharing. And uh, we move on now to actually, uh, yeah, actually already now early in this episode, the first external question from a listener. And this is from Emil Vestrin, who is the CEO and co-founder at VLOXQ. And this is his question. Hi, Victor. Can you take us back to the early days of Televox? What were the first signs that made you realize that your business would actually take off the ground? And a quick follow-up question, but let's fast forward in time. What were the signs that made you realize that you could realistically build a company valued at 1 billion Swedish kroner? Thank you. Uh, so good question. The telco industry which we are in, you know, was really established. So uh, so we didn't really have to re- look for if there was a need in the market, but rather, you know, find uh, our, our product worth replacing whatever they're using today. And uh, to me, really, the first milestone here was just actually quite do you get customers buying and paying for your product you know, more than using it that other tel- uh, startups might have a challenge. Do, I, do anybody need to use my service? But buying it was b- basically the first one. Um, the second one to realize, you know, if this would take off was, do we have a scalable distribution model? Uh, and, and that took some time to figure out. So a few years to really get it to scale. We were really, really struggling. So, um, but, you know, I think that's a really important milestone for us. Uh, another one, which I think definitely a lot of startup struggles with, is really, really understanding when you have a fully loaded, profitable P&L, you know, uh, that's another milestone to get to because, you know, you have your Excel sheets, you have your business cases, but, you know, the, the reality is usually something else. So once we really, you know, we're feeling that, you know, we're now we're having and loading the, the P&L with all the capabilities that we need, we're still profitable, we still have, you know, capacity to scale. That's another one. And then I think like the, the last was early days, you know, competition is struggling and, and you know, it's hard to realize what's going to happen. But after some time when the best in the business really give their best shots and you can still stand up and you still continue to win, that's when you know you're, you really have something. 
And, and I think that really answers you a little bit your other questions, even though, you know, we have never been on the focus on on valuation. We have never raised capital. So that has never been the focus uh, when you realize that. Uh, it's more been, you know, putting a piece of the puzzle every day and, and search for the next next thing that is bad or the next opportunity and, and you know, fix that thing. And then, you know, you move on and, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you start realizing that there is some value here. I really want to go quickly deep with you now here regarding, you, you said it took years, but scaled the distribution. Can you please give some cornerstones or some quick best practices how, how did you scale the distribution? Can you please help me and the listeners here? Yeah, no, so I'll give you a very concrete example. So we were um, in early days, uh, we couldn't afford to, you know, pay up front. So we had like a shared revenue model. And we realized that the partners that we were going after, they were, you know, they didn't have the balance sheet really to scale from that. So uh, in 2008, we changed basically the same type of partners, but we changed the compensation model. Uh, and, and that really made it scalable for one thing. But that, of course, required cash to be able to do so. So, that, you know, that is one, um, one way of, of looking at it. Another way, way we opened up direct sales. And, and it, took us for, it took us like one year to really fine tune things to get the... Um, the you know mythology really working and 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 get it into a scalable way so we can you know scale it from three people to seventy people, which we did in like three years and and um, yeah no so so it's just you know the business model it's the uh, you know the process and, and mythologies that you're using and uh, that you have to tweak 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 uh, so you really can scale it. Thank you, Victor. And uh, we move on to leadership. And the first question is, uh, what is the worst thing about being a leader? <laughs> uh, so, you know, I would say all management stuff, that is, like, if this is me and this is everything required to be a leader, everything that is the delta is to me very painful. So, um, you know, all the stuff that you have to do to, you know, be a, a good manager and, 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 uh, and that doesn't come natural to me in, in all situations is, is painful. <laughs> and how, how have you, since Televox is doing really great, you're obviously doing a lot of great stuff as a leader and CEO. How have you overcome those things? Uh, I think it's uh, quite early on realizing, like trying to realize, you know, constant learning, but who am I, what do I like to do, what am I poor at doing, and making sure that I have a team who is very good at the things that I am not too good at. And, and again, you know, coming back to my lazy side is, is I have a very hard time pushing myself to do things that I like doesn't come natural to me. So I'm very depending on, dependent on, on having a great management team around me that, you know, carry the, those things. And then if we should focus to the positive angle, what do you like the most about being a leader? It's, it's you know, the ability to, uh, to be in the front of what's the next thing to do. Drive and lead and think about those things and, and uh, spend time with, with other people in the company and outside of the company that keeps, uh, gives us those ideas and, and helps execute on those. 
I just love it. The next step. And uh, this leads me into what would you, Victor, or people around you say is your greatest strengths as a leader? Because some of this I maybe want to copy for myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know, but uh, if you should, but uh, well, I think it's. Um, I, I hear a lot that they that they feel that I am able to contextualize, you know, what is going on and how it affects our business uh, uh, and how different things affect each other. And, you know, by, by being interested in trying to understand that, it's, you know, I, I try to set the, a direction for the company that is, is, you know, strategically good enough. And um, so I think that is one ability that, uh, that I have. Um, then I like to nerd down in basically whatever it, it is to understand what that next step is and, and try to, you know, find out the bottom line of that research and, and, and figure out the cornerstone to a solution. And that's really when, when, you know, my capability ends and I take that, you know, that direction, those cornerstones, and then other people are much better than me on that execution. Yeah, great answers here. This is something really that so many leaders can take inspiration from. And I myself, really. Thank you, Victor, for sharing some nuggets here. <laughs> We move on to a topic of your choice. Because I want to hear you talk about something that you are nerdy and passionate about for a few minutes. It's time for a topic of Victor's choice. The topic of my choice. Uh, uh, well, something is obviously uh, user experience, you know, and it, it comes in all different uh, shapes and forms and experiences that really gets me upset and, uh, and trying to understand, you know, it's uh, uh, last week I was uh, at a hotel, not too, too rarely, unfortunately, you know, you go down and they give you either a very light boiled egg or a super hard boiled egg. And everybody knows that it's in between is the perfect egg. All the chefs around the world, you know, knows this still, you know, they're, why do they serve this? And, and, you know, you get those experiences. I figure wherever you go in the world, you go into an airplane, you're um, happy to buy business class, you're maybe in a transit and somebody goes and wake you up to give you champagne and you want to sleep. You know, it's, it's a lot of errors in the, in the user experience that, that you know, it, it tends to upset me. <laughs> so, but don't quote me on the business, uh, <laughs> uh, business class. <laughs> When you say don't quote me, do you think I should cut it out or can it, I, I don't quote you, but it can be there. <laughs> of course, it can be there, but you know, I, I usually don't do business class. It seems like bad user experience. How much you like are frustrated and hates it? Yeah, but at the same time, you know, really appreciate when you see somebody, you know, going the extra mile to make to make you make a nice user experience. So also, you know, acknowledging and appreciating it. And now I I can loop this back to you now and Televox then, uh, because since user experience are important to you, can, can you please share two, three of the best hacks or best practices you have during the years put in place that you know that, that customers have said to you, this is great user experience with Televox. Can, can you give me something concrete here regarding your business? 
Yeah, well, well, in our business, it's actually you know quite easy to figure out poor user experience because, like I you know said in the in the like elevator pitch, you know we're trying to combine the best with the the telco world and the tech world, and when you realize and then looking at it, they have such a lot of differences. You know, the tech world is fantastic in the user experience, making nice apps. Uh, but on the other hand, it's quite shitty that you need like 10 different apps to communicate with your friends. You know, you're probably having hundreds and hundreds and thousands of friends. You, you're required to have WhatsApp, Messenger, you know, iMessage, Viber, uh, uh, Instagram, Snap, whatever. And uh, while in the telco world, you know, with one application, the phone, you could reach 7 billion people. So, uh, you know, we try to combine the best of that in, in one application and, and make it, you know, both super nice, but still have the telco, you know, reachability. Um, so that's one thing uh, that, that they really appreciate. Another thing is you have a company yourself, you know, it's, are you going to go and get the new SIM cards? You're buying an, an, um, a subscription where, you know, the user, the phone number and price plan, everything is really tied together. So, you know, if you're having to let go of an employee or they're stopping, you know, how do you replace that? You're buying times and stuff. So one thing we did was break up that subscription and put it into more classic licenses. So, you know, you can just add users for free and swap around numbers and licenses uh, in a much smoother way, which is really appreciated, especially for larger businesses that has a larger turnover. So that's a few of the things that we really uh, get uh, good appreciated feedback on. Thank you, Victor, for sharing about user experience. This means that we are entering the topics of KPIs. I will actually kick off with the second external question before we talk more about general uh, general KPIs. And this is a question from Matt Bergström, co-founder of TechOver. And this is his question. Hi, Victor. What's the secret to low churn rate in a SaaS company? Wow. <laughs> a million dollar question. Our thing has always just tried to make every single part better at all times it's 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 a boring answer like that it's like we've been talking about user experience you know we don't try to hide internally you know we're just uh here are all the bad stuff and just start hammering on all the way everywhere to to make sure that there is no nothing no sharp edges that uh, our customers can cut themselves on that uh, you know makes it uncomfortable and want them to leave and and it's everything from you know features to onboarding to stay on to to the service you know never underestimate the, the service and um, and uh, you know eye on the ball customer success what makes what makes them successful with using your your software you know so uh, to me, I think it's it's a mistake if you're trying to zoom in on one thing. The the key for us has been really, you know, hitting many balls at the same time. There is no short way here to to this, like you said, million or billion dollar question. No, I don't think so. Or at least I'm too dumb to understand what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so now, when we started to talk about churn, I want to know which three to five or if you have i want to know your top kpis 
Uh, okay, so it's uh, as most recurrent businesses, it's a lifetime value uh, uh, business model that we're running on. So, you know, breaking that down is, of course, um, you know, for us starting with the top of the funnel, it's the booking. You know, that really is driving the volumes, uh, creating, you know, the revenue. Okay, so, so no, number of booked meetings slash demos, that, that is a top KPI. No, sorry, sorry. You know, uh, booked revenue, booked revenue. So, um, okay. uh, you know, what is the total uh, revenue that we're booking this month? Uh, and connected to that, we have real realization rate. You know, so we book this amount. How much do we re uh, realize? And, you know, in different sales companies and in different segments, you have a different realization rates. So, you know, if you're going up to larger businesses, you know, during the deployment time, you can upsell and the business tends to grow, especially in good times. So, you know, you will have a realization rate that is higher than 100%. While in like SME businesses, you know, there might be some, uh, you know, businesses churning off some sales that didn't go right, etc. So you might have lower than 100. So, but, you know, booking realization rates is, is super key for growth. On the other end, or the on end of that spectrum, is basically the churn. You know, if if you're churning, it doesn't mean it doesn't uh, it really is a point of, of adding in too much on the top line. So churn is definitely uh, top of mind. Uh, in churn is is you know the higher number of that is the net retention rate. So which churn is one of 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 uh, the things uh, lowering your net retention. So um, net retention and churn, booking, booking realization. And then another thing more financially is around uh, customer acquisition cost and your payback time. And uh, so, uh, you know, if you're going to grow, uh, it's going to cost you when you get your money back. Definitely important, maybe more so than um, um, uh, CAC uh, through lifetime value which is another popular uh, KPI, of course, in our industry. Uh, but I think more and more you're looking at the payback again to, you know, because you never know what's going to happen in the future. We have, fortunately, to have long lifetime. But, you know, when you start calculating on nine years of a lifetime, you have precedence wars coming and going and technology shifts. So, so you know, Getting back to to really making sure you get your money back and start making money is is uh, definitely a more here and now KPI. Yeah, especially during these times now with 2023 coming up and insecurities around the world, etc. Yes, this leads me into Victor now when I know what you are looking for and measuring the most uh, as most important at your company. Uh, I want to know now when you have your KPIs. How do you combine it? How do you work with it like frameworks? And what, what system slash framework do you use for measuring and uh, working with your KPIs? Uh, so <clears throat> I would say we're kind of uh, unmature in this, you know, so we've been working quite freely with several different systems depending on, on uh, where you are in the organization. And more from a strategic uh, point of view, we've been, you know, trying to connect it with uh, OKRs. And, and more and more, you know, we're going through OKRs throughout the system. So replacing uh, other um, 
frameworks. Um, but you know, it, to me, it's uh, you know, of course, when you're growing, and this is one of some of the management stuff that I'm not you know too keen on. <laughs> but but you know, I, to me, it's more. If we're talking the same language, are we uh, and and talking about the same stuff? Uh, you know, we tend to making sure that we're moving in the right directions. Me personally, I don't think like to me uh, a framework like this is an HR system, and there is no HR system or process that is going to be quicker than your mind and the world is changing around you. So if you're relying too much on those type of frameworks, you're not going to be fast enough. So, you know, that's a number one belief. But of course, you know, as you're scaling and you need to measure things to understand if you're going in the right direction and you're performing, et cetera, you need some underlying things. But, you know, I, I, we, we were using it more and more, but, you know, maybe using it to 70% when it comes to really understanding what to do and how our business is performing. Okay, thank you. And uh, we are now entering the roundup, Victor. So we only have a couple of questions left. And the first question here is always my VAM-oriented question because I'm building a sales tool that has the core video and full transparency. Televox, as you know, Victor, you are already customers to them on the, on the sales team side. So my question here is always, how would you like to be approached on an outreach? If you don't know me, you don't know my company, how would you like to get a modern buying approach in a cold outreach? Uh, well, first of all, I don't think channel really matters in that sense. You know, to me, it's it's uh, more of uh, making sure it's a really customized message, which, uh, you know, based on, you know, what segment that I am in or, you know, what is really, really relevant, relevant for me. And I think our best salespeople, that's what they do. They, they know an industry. They know a segment. And they really can, you know, in a, in a few sentences showcase, you know, is this relevant for you? And make it really, really friendly to, uh, to um, you know, and not push it, just super friendly. That's, uh, that's how I want to be approached. And that's how we try to um, inspire our sales team to do it as well. Uh, I think the pushing days are, are sort of over. And... Um, yeah, just make it really customized uh, and, and easy to swallow and, and, and intriguing. And then, you know, if, if, it's, if the timing is right, you know, then you move on from there. Yeah, great insights. Thanks for sharing. If you, I love this question. This question is always a top favorite question from a listener's point of view too. Victor, if you would give yourself... When you were a younger CEO, when you were 19 or 22, or one to three top things to think of, what would that be that you would tell yourself? Well, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So I think uh, one thing that's been, you know, sort of successful for me is to um, reach out to new people and, and new platforms to get inspiration and feedback again, to get the knowledge that I don't know. 
and uh, I would done more so my younger self should have done more so than what I did. But the other point of that, I think, is is the self-confidence. And especially as your company evolve, you know, your way of, of leading, your way of, of um, whatever is going to the role is going to change. And you need to be confident in, in who you are and what your strengths are. And in different times, you know, you're, you, your fit in terms of the total situation is going to be better, sometimes worse. And you have to be confident and not maybe try to change yourself. Uh, and of course, if you're the more feedback you're getting, you know, the easier it might be to change. So I think it's, it's two sides of that coin. Make sure you get feedback, but make sure you stay confident in, in, in what you are. And if you find yourself in, in a situation where you're not, you know, the, the best fit for purpose, then, you know, uh, try to make sure that you change the things around you so, so you can still keep on performing and leverage your strength. Nice. This last part I really love. And uh, yeah, I only have two, uh, two last questions now for you. And the second last question is, uh, which one to two other B2B SaaS CEOs are you inspired by or think are doing great stuff with your team and company and would like to listen to in a, in my podcast here in the future? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to give you a big challenge. But you know, first off saying, I, I when you sit down and talk or you listen to podcasts or, or, or anything else, you realize how many different ways there is to build a successful business. So I just wanted to say, first off, it's, it's you know, there's inspiration in most journeys yeah so within the swedish uh, market there is you know tons of them if you think both sweden nordics or europe or globally i, I i'm not doing a swedish podcast i'm going for it. i'm going for it all the, if i would choose one that i'm really impressed with and that's maybe because uh, you know i weren't a great microsoft fan growing up but what uh, Setai has done with transforming microsoft and that large portfolio. If you can, if you can get the inspiration from whatever he has done, that would be amazing because that's you know fantastic. But <laughs> that's a challenge for you. That is a that is a good goal. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know he's really back in the day. We thought Microsoft was a uh, uh, thinking ship. Didn't really get into the cloud and uh, how they transformed such a large portfolio. And now again is. You know, ahead of the game, I think it's impressive. Impressive. Sata, if you hear this, I don't think you hear this right now, but but I have this on record now. Victor asked for you, and maybe I will sit down with him in five years or something like that. I believe in you. <laughs> Thank you, Victor. Uh, so now it's the last question before we wrapping up, and this is now I hoping for and fishing for like a big bold statement. So, Victor, where will Televox be in five years? Uh, we'll be the number one European uh, XCAS, both unified communication and contact center player. And we will have a big dent globally with our operator business. So we'll probably be uh, 10 times the size that we're in right now. And, wh- and what, is that? what is that in ARR and in uh, colleagues? 4,000 colleagues. And we are at... Um, a billion dollars in revenue. Yes, that was. I hoping for something like this. So amazing, Victor. Uh, yeah, that was exactly what I was hoping for. So now I'm talking to you, who has been listening to Victor. If you like what you heard, 
please press the subscription button, tell a friend or a colleague to hey, listen to Victor in B2B SaaS CEOs. And Victor, a huge thank you to you for taking 30 minutes of your time to sit down with me and helping the community and me to keep on learning. Always a pleasure, uh, Yusuf, anytime.